Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Pay. So I'm at work, right? And I'm checking my email because I don't get to it very often. And I, 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 there's this email in there that is a citing report from the day before, but it doesn't have any detail. All it says is citing and that's it. But it was a day before at 5 p.m. outside of a little town called Willard, which is just north of White Salmon um, on the Columbia River in the Washington side. Um, kind of like on the Oregon side, it'd be Hood River. So on the other, uh, Hood River, the Dowels in that area. And then um, on the other side of the river, on the Washington side is where White Salmon is. And then north of there is this little place called Willard, which is basically a fish hatchery and a few dozen houses. Um, kind of out there. And it's also not that far away. Remember a few weeks ago, I went to go visit some witnesses that have seen Sasquatches a number of times on their property? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was on the White Salmon River. So it's not very far away from there either which is interesting. But anyway, I call this lady and leave a message and she calls me back shortly and I'm talking to her and I arranged to meet her out at the site. Um, this was on Monday. Now, um, I work on Monday, but Melissa, my wife doesn't, we, we kind of give each other three day weekends. So we both have Tuesday, Wednesday off, but she and I kind of trade back and forth about, you know, Mondays and Thursdays, but it's right. Monday morning. And I, so I call her up and I go, Hey, you know, there was a sighting yesterday. Any chance you can work for me? And of course she did because she's awesome. Um, and so she comes in to work for me and then I get out the door. And I, so I'm running over there. I probably get out to the site around one, one or one thirty, And she's out there. She meets me out there. We go over exactly what happens. And basically this is her story. She, uh, she's a forest service worker. I'm not going to tell her name or her job. It's nobody's business. She doesn't want that out there. A little concerned about it, you know, this for obvious reasons. So she's a forest service worker, and she just likes driving roads, basically, like in rural areas. Maybe she's coming back from somewhere uh, in Gifford Pinchot or something. I don't know. But anyway, she's driving. She comes around this corner, goes around this right-hand turn, and there's this long straightaway per, you know, probably a third of a mile or a half a mile long or something like that. And it's dark. It's getting dark at least. It's five o'clock or so, um, she guesses. And uh, you know how like uh, when you're driving down these long roads at, in the evening time where it's not quite dark, it, it's it's almost like you're in a tunnel. The trees oh, yeah. on the right – yeah, the trees on the right-hand side are just totally dark. And, but at the end of the road, if you can see that far, in this case you could. It was a straightaway. Um, it's light. It's a lighter color. So she turns around the turns around this corner to the right, and about halfway down this road, um, quarter mile or maybe less away from her, um, she, actually probably a lot less than that actually, because she was moving at the time towards it, and when she first notices it, um, she thought it was a bear, 
uh, because it was down on all fours in the middle of the road. And she pantomimed the the motion to me when we were out at the scene and it was down on all fours and the arms were moving. She, she described them as flailing about, but it was almost like it was swimming or something like, I don't know. It's just the arms were moving. She said she noticed that, but her first thought was, oh my God, that's the biggest bear I've ever seen. And she estimated that what she saw would have been a 600 pound black bear, you know? And she goes, oh my God, that's the biggest thing I've ever seen. And, and then she gets a little closer to it. And at this point she estimates 300 feet or so, you know, so a football field away. Um, and then the thing stands up on two legs and it, it was far enough away that her light, her, the, her headlights didn't fall upon it. But remember it was backlit. So she saw this full silhouette, legs, arms, big wide shoulders, like, to, but she said, Oh my God, it's a man. Like she said, she yelled that out. But the reason she yelled it out is because she was so surprised at how big it was. Um, she, she described it to me as almost taking up the entire left-hand lane. Now, yeah, it was just, it was just massive. Apparently Um, now the lanes are eight feet wide. This thing obviously wasn't eight feet wide, but it, it was, it was, quite large, obviously, like, because she was just, her mind was blown by this. And the thing basically steps once or twice, steps up off on the berm into the woods and disappears. And, you know, she drives by kind of slow. I mean, she did, she said she didn't really want to look out the window <laughs> towards it or anything, but she was in that, that state of mind that happens so often after, immediately after sightings of like, what in the world did I just observe? What in the world? You know, just kind of drove by slow and didn't even think of going back, I think, until the next day. And then she went back and, and she's then she saw some interesting things. For example, like uh, there's a service road, actually on both sides of the road. Um, but as she was driving down on the right-hand side, there's this little cutoff sort of thing that is a, is a barriered road. You know, the Forest Service threw down a bunch of logs and stuff so you couldn't drive it. But there's a, a deer skeleton there. Um, it's quite old. It's not new. Oh. The Bigfoot didn't have anything to do with it necessarily. And then uh, on the left-hand side is another road with a gate that goes into logging land. That you know you're allowed to go in there, but it's basically logging land essentially. Right. Um, yeah. So at the scene, you know, she was driving. It was dusk. Oh, by the way, and it turns out that the sighting wasn't the day before. She made a mistake. It was actually on Saturday night, not Sunday night. So uh, okay. I thought I thought I was getting there within 24 hours, but it turns out that that wasn't true. She just put the wrong date in, and yeah, that happens with witnesses sometimes. So uh, I was there two days later, and it had rained a ton. Because if you remember, I was doing another footprint find investigation on Saturday night, the actual right. same night she saw this, and I had to get out there because it was going to dump rain. And I know I'm, I'm I'm on the other side of the mountain and everything, but the whole area was drenched, right? So by the time I got out there on Monday with the witness, um, any impressions in the ground had been, you know, seriously deteriorated or virtually washed away. Um, I scoured the road for a couple hundred yards on each side of the road. Um, I spent about two and a half, three hours there the first day I was there. Nearby are power lines, like very nearby, a quarter mile away. And, it, you know, anybody who looks on the map at Willard, Washington, is going to see a couple power lines. And it was very close to one of the sets of power lines there. Um, so I went up and walked the power line cut. But I, as I was 
looking around for soft ground up there on the power line cut because I figured, okay, this thing had to walk across the power line cut. Well, it didn't have to do anything. It's a Bigfoot. It can do what it wants. But if it had been walking in a straight line to get to the road, it would have walked across the power line cut. Um, and so I was looking for soft ground up there because in the woods, there's so much slough and down brush and it's an old logging cut, you know, so there's the ground is just littered with debris. So there's almost no opportunity for footprints. Um, I was, as I was approaching the, the, the power line tower, the big metal monstrosity lightning, mm -hmm. lightning and thunder happened about a mile away. <laughs> So I decided it perhaps wasn't the best time to look for footprints then. So, um, and then it started dumping like this crazy storm. So I had to, you know, walk through the woods, got super drenched, got in my car, drove, drove back basically. And then I called Tom Powell and said, Hey Tom, what you doing tomorrow? And we decided to go out the next day too. So Tom and I went out there the next day as well and scoured the whole area, walked the power line cuts. So it wasn't, you know, we weren't in danger of electrocution at that point. Um, didn't find anything really. I, I did, we did find that one, well, that one impression that looked kind of like a knuckle print, but I later determined to be deer, uh, composite print from deer. And then there was another partial something that, you know, there wasn't enough there to, to make any determination really. Um, and that was in pea gravel anyway, like the really small gravel. Um, so there was no detail at all, just something vaguely the right shape and the right size. But I don't know. There wasn't really much to go on there. But it was cool to get such a fresh sighting. Um, and then to add to the synchronistic nature of how weird things like Bigfoot sightings happen, fast forward to today in the museum. I'm there and this woman comes in and she found a footprint on that same Saturday. But in the coast no. range. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the coast range, not in the not in the not the same area, but in the coast range. So, um, yeah. So, Jeff, photos. Yeah, yeah. She had a photo, and it looked pretty good. It was in grass, but um, you oh. know, looking at it, it looked it was the right shape, the right size. You, I could see uh, suggestions of uh, toes, and uh, the interesting thing, um, or one of the interesting things about it, uh, this is down by uh, Grand Ronde in um in Oregon here, um, the coast okay. range, but uh the grass was pushed down in the photograph implying that perhaps it had not been made that long before she took the picture. Yeah. It couldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. So Saturday was a pretty squatchy day all around. I know one of the three things was, it turned out to be bear prints, but I still got to go out to do, you know, an investigation at 10 30 at night in the woods. And that's a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, that, lady, that lady saw one a few hours before in Washington, and some some other lady took a picture of a print in the Coast Range that same day. So I don't know what's about what's up with January fourth, two thousand twenty, but uh, this year's starting out pretty squatchy. I'm pretty optimistic about this year now. Yeah, I'm getting uh, I'm getting good stuff too. You see what's great about you having the the North American Bigfoot Center up there is you're getting local stuff. I get tons of stuff pouring in all the time, but it's like Missouri, North Dakota. South Carolina, you know, it's it's halfway across the country, all the way across the country. They just can't go following up on. Yeah, yeah, that um, I experienced the same thing with the website and whatever, and I get a lot of great reports from all over. But what can I do about it? And it's not like I don't want to hear it. Don't get me wrong. I, I take those things and and put them in my files. Um, I've got, I think, God, I think I have over a thousand reports in my files now. And uh, 
but I, it's the, it's the ones that are close to home that are near and dear to me, which is part of the reason I opened up the North American Bigfoot center. So everybody and their mother will know that, um, that I'm there and any local reports will come to me pretty quick. Oh yeah. Uh, that monkey that, just gnarly as far. Oh, good monkey. It hasn't got to me yet, but I, the audio did. The audio. <laughs> yeah, sound travels at a faster rate than smell. The, the Judging by this, what I heard, it's going to be a tr- slow rate of travel because it's going to be thick. <laughs> thick and heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I've been getting some good reports coming in, but they're all from all over the place. I even got uh, a dog man story, which I'm excited about. I want to try to get in contact with that guy and uh, get them on our little podcast here so we get some beyond stuff going again. Oh, yeah. Oh, so um, here, here's a beyond something. I've been getting a whole lot of UFO reports through the museum. Really? And, uh, yeah, like more than I expected to. I knew that I'd get some, but I didn't, I didn't realize it'd be so many. Um, and I guess, you know, people associate all weird things together. They say, oh, I've never seen a Bigfoot, but I saw a UFO. Like that has anything to do with Bigfoot. But um, but it is nice to hear. I don't want to be a jerk about it, but it's, they're kind of fun to hear. And I know Melissa really likes them, which is great when I work with her because she can handle all the ghost UFO stories. Um, and I can deal with the Bigfoot stuff that comes in. But um, right. I heard one today, this dude was in the shop and he does like ghosts. He doesn't do ghost tours like, you know, like Nick Groff does or something. But um, right. he he works at some church kind of closer to town that's super haunted, apparently. Uh, and, and he told me a couple of things that happened there. And then he mentioned some UFO stuff. And mind you, there's a, there's a couple different types of folks that are likely to tell you these kinds of stories. And this was not the weird tweaker kind of folk. You know, he was a right. like very straight. He was a young guy. He's, he seemed pretty cool to me. You know, um, not that I'm the judge of cool by any stretch of the imagination, mind you. But oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> right. You, that's, I, thank you for picking up my slack, Bobo. Um, but uh, he told me about like uh, two. You well, I think he told me for three. But I remember two UFO stories that he told me. Um, I think one was in Sandy, you know, where I live. Um, as a kid, he was playing outside and he saw what looked like like a met, like something the 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 shape of a metal trash can lid, um, silently uh, just flying over the houses. You know, and I guess somebody could have thrown a metal trash can lid, but the way he talked, like, <laughs> you know, it seemed pretty, it seemed pretty uh, high in altitude and fast. Um, and then the other one was really peculiar. And I think this is the one that he said he called MUFON in on, uh, but I think it was in Gresham, which is, you know, kind of suburbia now. And, um, and it was coming down his street of all things. Um God, what did he say? It was a black shape, if I remember right. I don't remember the geometric shape he compared it to. But the peculiar thing, and I've never heard this in any of the UFO reports, whatever it was, was tilted 45 degrees, like to the right or left or something, you know, almost like a plane banking. But it was it was going straight and it was just zipping down the street with in complete silence. I've seen a video of something like that. The thing was definitely like tilted. You know, I don't know how many degrees, but it was tilted like something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's weird though. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, I was oh, surprised. Like, oh, go ahead. Oh, and and there's and uh, a friend of mine was in, and and he mentioned his UFO sighting, which I've heard before. But the thing about his UFO sighting, um, it 
it resonates with what I heard elsewhere. And and forgive my memory, Bobo, but I, you might have been with me when I heard a similar story to this. Uh, this guy's uh, UFO story is that he saw a silver sphere, like a shiny silver sphere moving at about walking or running speed, kind of silently gliding over fields. Didn't we hang out with somebody to tell us a similar story to that? Oh, oh. yeah, we were on Finding Bigfoot. Um, Heather, the producer, saw that same thing, remember? And I think it was Micah and Heather or Sterling and Heather. Yeah, yeah, I remember they saw a UFO while we were filming because on a day off or something, they were driving and they look, they're both looking at this thing and saying, oh, that's so funny. Look at that. It looks like a UFO. If that thing takes off, then we'll know. And they all laughed because how silly that would be. And then that thing took off with like amazing speed faster than any plane could ever move. And they just kind of looked yeah, at was, each other slack jawed and went, oh my God. Yeah, it was like a silver uh, cigar shaped thing. Yeah, uh, Heather and Micah were together in the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My UFO setting is going to be in a conspiracy curse UFO book. He's writing right now. Oh, is he? Cool. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. was over for New Year's Eve. Oh, he was? Yeah, yeah. We had some friends over on New Year's Eve. Um, Kirk and his girlfriend came over and a few other folks. Uh, very few Bigfooters, though, I will say. Normally, my parties are a little bit more packed with, uh, with Bigfoot folks. But uh, the B-Larks came over. Um, they're usually oh, cool. Uh, they're rad. They're good. They're great to have at a party, you know? Oh, I love them. Yeah. So it was cool. I got to play some music with friends and goof around and, you know, hang out with Kirk. I don't see him as much as now that I moved out to the city. So, or moved out of the city rather. But what'd you Let's do for the conspiracy? Oh, I went up to our old executive producer, Chad Hamill's new house up in above Hollywood there and went up there and, um, man tooth, our former producer was there also. And some other people I'd never met that were cool. And, had a good time, but I actually split about quarter to quarter to um, 12, 10 to 12. I was like, yeah, I, I was just like, I don't care about midnight. I'm, I'm out of here. And I started back down uh, towards Long Beach coming down the, uh, I think it was the 10, no, not the 10, the shoot, 110, coming down the 110. I happened to come right in downtown, heading towards downtown LA, right at about a minute till midnight. Dude, the whole L.A. basin started lighting up because there's tons of, like, Mexican and Chinese communities around and neighborhoods. And, like, those, it's not stereotypical, but those people do have access to a lot of great fireworks, you know? Yeah. And there was huge, like, Disneyland or whatever, or, you know, like the city 4th of July fireworks going off from hundreds of locations. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, there must have been hundreds of different launch sites. And for, like, you can see, like, 15... I don't know, 20 miles. You'd see like all the way down to Orange County, like sky and the whole thing. And there was some going off over the freeway, but giant mortar launched fireworks covering the whole sky. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Like, I was blown away. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And that's something yeah. that you got to live in a, um, a multicultural, like metroplexy, like Los Angeles to really get the effect of that where everybody has uh, has uh, immediate access to very, very illegal fireworks. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no, I remember back in the day, this is 10, 20 years ago. I had to be at least 15 or 20, actually. I was driving home from La Puente. You know where La Puente is in Southern California? Yeah. 
Oh yeah. So like very heavy Latino neighborhood, man. The fireworks were amazing from the freeway. It was, it was one of those beautiful sights ever. So I I got a little taste. I don't may may not have had the view you had, but I got a little taste of it. Um, and Uh, you never know when you're going to take some incoming either. It was kind of adds to the excitement of it. Yeah. I was driving my dad's car. So we had it set to KUSC, the classical music station. So I had this grand, you know, classical music playing and the fireworks exploding. It was, it was surreal. It was really cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, nice. Nice. 1812 overture there. So that's yeah, right. So yeah, yeah that's I, I was I was happy with it. I was very happy with my how my evening turned out. Yeah. Well, good for you, man. That's great. That's great. Yeah, so far so good though. 2020, man. I'm excited. Excited about this year. A lot of good things are coming up. So you got anything big planned for 2020 besides going to conferences or is there any big trips or expeditions you got going? Well, I think, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to run a couple expeditions this year. Um, I don't know the dates yet because the, uh, the, the person in charge, uh, of the recreational permits in Mountain Hood National Forest, um, has been moved to another position and they just now filled the position. So normally I would have been okayed in December. I would have my dates set up by now, but uh, they're running behind and you know that sort of stuff. So I may not be able to even find out if I get the permit until February or maybe even March. I don't know. Um, right. So in the meantime, I was I was gonna toy with revamping my website because I'm I feel I, I need to make it slicker. I feel it's a little encumbered and stuff. So I want to do that. Um, but really this year, besides my speaking engagements and whatever else, and I already have a number of those planned and scheduled, but more is coming in all the time. Um, my main focus is going to be summer at the museum because uh, of any museum, like a Bigfoot museum is essentially a tourist attraction. Um, and we've been very blessed with the attention of Mount Hood territories and travel Oregon and all the big uh like the state level tourism boards that their whole, they exist to bring people to tourism places. So we've been kind of their pet project this past year because, you know, TV guy opens a Bigfoot museum that, that that's newsworthy, you know, to these people. Um, it's, and it's a little bit more exciting than, than a farm, you know, that was the end of the road for the Oregon trail, perhaps in some ways. Right. Uh, yeah, but not not necessarily, but there's a lot of those out there. But there's only one Bigfoot museum here in the state. So um, I, we're looking at basically summer, you know, trying to uh, just try to bring as many people into the museum as as possible to get a little, you know, financial padding. Because the, the, the honest truth of it is we've been open for business since October. Um, I know that right. the gift shop was open sooner, but the, the back's been open since October. And it's only January. So November, December, three months. Um so being a new business, we're just trying to get a financial foothold and see how things are going to go. But, um, I would like to get away. That's for sure. Cause this work thing, I'm not used to it. This sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but luckily it's something I love to do and it's, and it's my project and my wife's project. So we get to, you know, participate in, in that, in the, on that level. But, um, I'm going to pack this summer, dude, you guys, you're, you're going to boom. There's no, I, you're not going to. I think so. I mean, uh, Christmas was, we had a lot of people in through Christmas and, uh, and if the holiday season is any indication how summer is going to go, I think we're going to be okay. You know, I'm, I'm worried about like staying open and I, I think that's not going to be a problem. I think that we, I might actually have accidentally stumbled into a viable small business of some sort. I'll never be rich, but you know, as long as my bills are paid, I'm rich enough. 
Oh yeah, dude. I think uh, I think you're stoked. Man. I, I I do not see any kind of failure. There's no way you're gonna be booming all the way May through September every year. It's gonna be packed. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope that's true. I hope it's booming enough where I don't have to be there every day. That'd be great if I <laughs> hire, hire somebody to come in. And uh, because people aren't coming in because it's cliffs, right? They're just coming because it's a Bigfoot museum, right? For the most part. Yeah, they are. I, for the most part, there are exceptions and whatever else. And, and whenever I am there, because I'm there most days, like I said, I take three day weekends, right. cause, you know, but um, w- very often, uh, I, well, a couple things, really, very often somebody will come in and look at me and go, oh, my God, you're here. I go, well, yeah, I own the sh- like I own the shop with my wife. Like, well, this is our my business. Of course, I'm going to be here. So, yeah, but I didn't think you'd be here. People have a very, I guess they think that we made a lot more money than we did on Finding Bigfoot. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, like I'll never, I'll, I'll never work again. It's like, what? No, no, no. I mean, I got to work, man. There's, there's bills to pay. So, um, people are very surprised. 90s, <laughs> if, we got, if we would have that show in the nineties when there was tons of TV money instead of the declining years, we would have been, yeah, we probably would have been set for life. Yeah. But that is not the case. Yeah. So I got to no. work. Everybody's got to work. Yeah. So yeah, so they're they're usually kind of surprised that I'm there. But on the other hand, what I like even more, um, going back to your point, is that a lot of people come in and have not seen the show, or have no clue who I am, or couldn't care less. Um, which I love because that tells me that the museum can and hopefully eventually will stand on its own as its own entity that is worthwhile that has nothing to do necessarily with Cliff. Right. Yeah, I think that's, that's freeing. Yeah, that, well, that's a, I th- also think that's a stronger business. Now, trust me, yeah. you know you know me, Bobs. I'm not a business person. But to me, that just makes sense that if I had – if the museum is separate than me, you know, I could be associated with it. Sure, Cliff owns it or, you know, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but, you know, if it's separate than whatever false celebrityhood people, you know, see me as – um, that's that's a good thing. I want it to be its own celebrity, you know. Right. Yeah. That's that's true. That's that's the best option for sure. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to lend it my name as much as it needs it. But in a while, I'd like it to, you know, work on its own, like any right. good parent would, you know. <laughs> I'd be neglect- I'd be that deadbeat dad, neglectful parent, probably. <laughs> well, you know, if you opened a business like this, I'm sure, you know, just like your personal finances, I'm sure you'd let monkey manage it. <laughs> that didn't work out so good. No, I don't know. Monkey's doing all right. She's got all the food she needs. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Oh, reminds me. Oh my God. I left her chicken in the truck. I, we have to make our own food now because her teeth are all shot and her stomach and dietary issues. We have to make her food. And I left her chicken when I came in a couple hours ago. That's on the truck. Oh, do you still have to chew it up and spit in her mouth? <laughs> Karina does that practically. She, she will actually spoon feed her sometimes if money's not eating. Oh, that's sweet. You got yourself a good girl, Bubs. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, Cliff. I know. I know. We're, we're two lucky guys. Yeah. You deserve it. I don't. <laughs> well, you know, you, at least you got it. Sometimes it's good to have things you don't deserve. <laughs> right, right. Did I tell you that like maybe about a month ago, I got a call from the Forest Service? No. Yeah, yeah. Check this out. Check this out. Um, so you remember back in the day when I when I first decided I'm going to 
you know, run legal expeditions in Mountain Hood National Forest by getting a permit. And a lot of my friends, you know, and not just the conspiratorial ones, but a lot of my, uh, they all kind of lean that way, but they were going, oh man, they're never going to give it to you. They're just going to laugh you out of the park or, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to run, put obstacles in your way and you're never going to get one because the government has a really big conspiracy and they don't want anybody to know about Bigfoot. And I said, okay, screw it. I'm doing it anyway. And it turns out that they were dead wrong. The forest service, the forest service could not have been more helpful with getting my permits and all that sort of stuff. Second sure. year, it was, it was a formality to get my permit. You know, I was already grandfathered in no problem at all. That guy, the guy even told me, yeah, yours is easy. You know, you, you don't, you don't need much from us. It's great. Um, well, part of my reason for actually doing all the legal, you know, hoops and jumping through all the legal hoops and things, besides the fact that my dad was a sheriff and when I break the law, I feel like I'm letting my dad down. Um, and I, and I, I fear legal retribution from the government as we all should, I suppose. But, uh, but part, but part of my other motivation for going through all the nonsense to get a permit is I want every ranger and employee for the forest service to know that, yeah, that, that, that guy in the show does Bigfoot trips legally and he pays his taxes and all that stuff. I want every ranger to know who I am basically, because when any of them see something or hear about something, maybe, maybe it'll uh, make its way back to my ears. Well, it's finally panned out. About a month ago, I get a call from a forest service worker who was aware of my um, permitting and all that sort of stuff. And he tells me, yeah, yeah. So this lady calls up and tells us about her Bigfoot report. I don't know why, but I figured maybe you'd want to know about it. They go, yeah, that's great. That's great. So I got a hold of her and talked to her. And, um, and really her sighting was, it was, it was okay. You know, she saw one of these things at dusk or whatever over South of Hepner, which isn't anywhere near Mount Hood National Forest, I might add, which is peculiar. But, um, and she also had some UFO stuff. It was kind of a weird report, but it was fun to talk to her. But the cool thing is, is that the forest service called me to give me the report. So that seed that I planted a couple of years ago of like, yeah, I want all the, you know, my scheming. I want the Forest Service to know I exist. So they'll call me when they get reported. It's finally starting to pan out and it worked. Awesome. Yeah, that's super encouraging. And again, I got to wonder, does the government really care? Or, or, or if they care, are they doing anything to discourage it? I don't think so, man. I don't think so. No, not, not from my experience. I mean, I'm sure there's certain people in there that are anti for whatever reason, like religious or, um, whatever. Economic. It could be. Yeah. That's what I'm economic. That's probably the main one. Well, that's their religion. Um, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's certain like districts or, you know, ranger districts where the head guy might be anti for whatever reason. And that, that place might get squashed, but I don't think it's from, I don't think it's like from the very top down, like, where there's this chain of command thing where they all know not to report it. You know, it's more just like it could be, you're going to get made fun. I think most people are afraid of the, the ridicule and mockery. Yeah. 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 The, like the forest service uh, person who I did the sighting with this past week, you know, and, and actually that was, that was, that was the best thing that came from the sighting. Yeah. It was a sighting. It was another dot on a map, which is what sightings really amount to unless you can get physical evidence there. Um, but this, now I have another ally in another national forest office. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got a mole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, she was saying, yeah, I've heard I've heard people talk about it in the office before or somebody saw something or found something, but I never paid much attention to it. But now that I know they're real, I sure am going to listen. Yeah, so I've got a mole. And she says, yeah, anything I hear, I'm going to let you know about. And I said, fantastic. I need That's one great, of those man. in every Forest Service office in, throughout the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, for sure. I, I got I to gotta reach out to them. I know they got a lot of new guys and gals around these parts and the Forest Service and state parks. So I want to reacquaint myself with uh, some of the new people and tell them, hey, if something happens, let me know. It's a great strategy. You know, Meldrum did that. Um, he uh, he told me a few years ago, he uh, and, um, and uh, Meinzinski put together like a little dossier sort of thing about like, yeah, th- here's our credentials. Here's what we've done. We're legit. Here's some Bigfoot information. And they ran a bunch of them off and they visited a variety of Forest Service offices and park offices throughout their area, which is, you know, Idaho and the Wind River Range and all that sort of stuff like that corner, you know, um, you know Yellowstone, essentially. And um, they got responses from them within two or three weeks, if I remember right. Uh, and Jeff sent me the photograph. It was a, a beautiful footprints in the ground from Wyoming. Um, yeah, I think it was Forest or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Wind River Range, if I remember right. Um, but yeah, that is a very viable strategy if you have any credentials at all. I mean, if you're just some hack or whatever that's, uh, that goes into or, or somebody who is perceived as some hack, you know, going into Forest Service offices. Yeah, I'm interested. That's one thing. You might get a callback. But if you have any credentials like, hey, I'm a biologist or whatever, you know, you I, I've been on this TV show and I'm really interested in that ups the chances of actually hearing something because they probably remember who you are. So, right. I would, that, that's a fantastic avenue of research. Whenever I talk to those guys, I was asking, have you had any big footage come in? And the last, you know, 10 years, it's a lot more, oh yeah, we have people come in and ask us and question us and that sort of thing. It's, it's definitely more common, but so yeah, it'd be, if you could stand out from the crowd a little bit somehow, I would just say, Hey, if you get anything that looks good, I, I think it looks good to me. And then I could throw out Meldrum's name, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably doesn't mind. Yeah, like we got someone. If it's good evidence, we got someone bona fide to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, uh, I guess the only other new thing that I got going is um, this past week I met a guy, a former sheriff. Um, uh, he's a leather worker and a, a machinist. He's got all sorts of skills. Uh, um, I'm going to work with him. He's going to get me a concealed carry permit because I still don't have one of those. I'd like it. So he's a multi, very skilled guy. You know, he, he's trained in firearms. He trains others. Um, he's an older gentleman, but he has a lot of experience under his belt in both law enforcement and outdoorsmanship in general. He told me about a a sighting he had back in 1966, um, at a place called Huxley Lake, which is in Mount Hood National Forest. Um, it is above the lip of Roaring River Wilderness Area. Um, it wasn't wilderness back then, but it's wilderness now. It was designated that 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 way at some time during the Obama administration. Um, and he and his brother were dropped off there by their father. You know that this is what they used to do. Like, hey, dad, take us out to so and so. Dad would drop him off and pick him up a week later. So you think you're a bad parent? Holy smokes! Yeah, these kids had to um, like survive off the land for a week. And of course, that's actually great parenting as long as the kids have the skills. Oh, yeah. Wrong. Yeah. So uh, this place called Huxley Lake, which is a little pond or whatever, um, and I, I've hiked in there before, coincidentally, and it's it's super squatchy. It's ridiculous. 
it's not very far away from a number of very good Bigfoot spots. Um, and he and his, his buddy were there or his brother was there, um, with the, with their dog and their dog was acting weird, but not going after it, whatever, like there, there was something in the woods they could hear walking around, but the dog wouldn't go after it, which was unusual because it was the kind of dog that would. And then, um, at some point or another, he turned around and shined a light and he saw the thing, you know, he saw the thing pretty well at 30, 40 feet away at the most standing there. And it's, it was a two or three second encounter. The thing turned and walked away and it scared the hell out of the kids. Basically, you know, it's kind of a typical encounter in a lot of ways, but, uh, what's nice about it. And I'm working on this. This is one of my things I'm doing right now. He said that same time period, like within a month or so, um, I think he said it was right after a report appeared in the local newspaper. It was either the Oregonian or another one that was the, the other big one at the time. And I don't have the name, but I have it written down. Um, so this is spring of 1966. And in that newspaper, um, it was uh, it, they showed a photograph in the snow of footprints going into the Roaring River wilderness area, which is, you know, so it oh, had to be cool. pretty close. Yeah. So some corroborating evidence of one another, I guess, is what, I, what I'm excited about. Um, it's basically having two reports from the same area the same month or two. And that is the kind of uh, data that I am interested in. Repeat encounters in the same area. Because you know my thing, man. I'm always after where do they go and why do they go there? And you can find that out by when they go there. So Exactly. You know, yeah, so that's another thing that came into the museum recently. And, of course, that's the second eyewitness report I've gotten from Huxley Lake. Um, the other one was uh, many years after this, in the early 1970s, I think, which I guess isn't that long. It's within five or ten years. But still, an, another guy saw one out there. That's cool, man. I love those old ones, too. The 66, that was before the PG film. Yep, yep. Yeah, he had never heard of it by then. You know, he didn't know what the heck Bigfoots were. You know, so he never, it wasn't on his radar yet. He's like, what the hell is that thing? But anyways, yeah, well, it sounds like we've had a good start to 2020 so far. Yeah, I'm loving it so far. So we'll just keep the ball rolling and uh, keep our ears at the ground, and hopefully something good will surface this year. Yeah, keep your feet spread and your butt low. Always, always. <laughs> All right, Bobs. Well, I guess until next time, right? Yep, until next time, folks, thanks for listening. Hit subscribe and like. Tell the, your friends and family and neighbors, enemies, everyone, listen and subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond podcast with Cliff and Bobo. And until next time, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond.